Listener note, this podcast was created as an adjunct for those studying for the PCS exam. By no means do we guarantee that one will pass the exam solely by listening to this podcast. We encourage all those studying for the exam to put the appropriate time and effort into their studying using resources recommended by the ABPTS and the APTA. It is not allowed to discuss test content and we will not accept any questions related to test content. While we will do our best to provide the most accurate information, if you feel as though we have stated something that is incorrect, please contact us via Instagram at Pushing Pediatrics. Hi, I'm Sheila. And I'm Sarah. And welcome to Pushing Pediatrics, an educational podcast for physical therapists created to help those studying for the Pediatric Certified Specialist exam and anyone else interested in learning more about pediatric physical therapy. Starting off this fact sheet Friday, we are going to cover the fact sheet, safe student lifting and transfers in the school setting. This fact sheet definitely has some important information for you to remember and some memorization numbers to keep in mind. Obviously, knowledge in ergonomics, biomechanics, safe physical management, lifting, positioning, transfers, and transfer training is essential in PT practice, especially in the school setting. A lot of this fact sheet comes from two government agencies, the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, which is NEOSH, and the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, which is OSHA. So I think the next fact is really important. NIOSH recommends that the average worker lift no more than 51 pounds. This is based on ideal perfect conditions of lifting. So a stable box from ground to waist height. When lifting or transferring people, however, NIOSH recommends a 35 pound limit due to multiple unpredictable variables like the kids' cooperation, their ability to participate, and their ability to understand directions, and also their muscle tone. What are some considerations when we're looking at lifting and transferring a patient? Well, we need to know the environment. How much space is available? Do we have equipment to assist us? Next, the staff. Do we have extra staff available and how many? And what are their capabilities? Obviously, budget may be a factor in terms of availability of mechanical lifts. Another important factor would be student characteristics. What is the individual's ability to participate? Do they have seizures? How is their muscle tone? How big are they? And what is their behavior or cooperation, etc.? Last, it may be your job as a therapist to train other individuals on safe transfer techniques and to educate them on limitations make sure you are documenting your training. The fact sheet then goes into four commonly encountered lift transfer situations in school-based practices with algorithms to assist in safe decision-making. The algorithms run through some basic questions to help you determine what you need to do, starting with, can the student bear weight or assist? And moving through other considerations like, are they cooperative? how much can they assist, etc. They mostly boil down to if the student cannot assist or if they are uncooperative, 
two staff members are needed if they weigh more than 35 pounds, like the NIOSH recommendation above. So, like I said before, I think that is an important little fact or number to have on your master study guide because knowing that may help you answer a question. Make sure you review all the algorithms in this fact sheet to help guide your decision making. This kind of review is going to help you prepare your mind for the type of questions you may encounter because it's really focused on decision making questions. Um, one thing in my school that we do go by is for lifting. If a child is greater than 35 pounds, like Sheila said, you have to do a two-person lift. So any child under 35, you can do a one-person lift. And my school goes by 75 pounds for a Hoyer lift. So think an average of like one person, if you're having two people, 35 pounds per person. So 70 to 75 is Hoyer lift. Next, we're going to talk about adaptive physical education and school-based physical therapy. This fact sheet helps clarify the roles of adapted physical education and physical therapy services under IDEA. Let's talk strict definitions first. Adaptive PE is a direct instructional service which individualizes the physical education curriculum according to a student's unique needs. School-based PT, as a related service, is provided to assist a child with a disability to benefit from special education. In public schools, physical therapists assist students to access school environments, participate throughout the school day, and benefit from their educational program. There is a little fact box on the first page, and I just want to highlight a few things from that box here. Related services, so PT, support physical education, so the adaptive PE. PT and adaptive physical education provide different perspectives on similar areas of student development. Adaptive PE and PT are not interchangeable. Adaptive PE cannot supplement school-based PT or vice versa. The rest of the fact sheet is basically a breakdown of the similarities and differences between school-based PT and adaptive PE. They are broken down into easy-to-read text boxes. Some important things I pulled out. PTs diagnose and manage movement dysfunctions. They work to restore, maintain, and promote physical function, wellness, and fitness. PT interventions prevent the onset of symptoms and progression of impairments, functional limitations, and disabilities resulting from diseases, disorders, conditions, or injuries. Adaptive PE specialists develop and implement a specially designed physical education instructional program for an individual with a disability based on a comprehensive assessment and unique student needs. PTs use therapeutic techniques and interventions, while adaptive PE uses instructional techniques to improve motor performance. There is obviously a lot more to each of these specialties, and I think this fact sheet is an important one to really understand the differences between these two. It also goes into inappropriate collaboration examples that we feel are important to help make the distinction between the two. The bottom line, while there is overlap, they are distinctly different disciplines 
and school-based PTs, unless they possess a valid and related teaching credential, should not provide physical education, adaptive or general, evaluation or instruction. I think that this is the most important fact to know. The next fact sheet that we are going to go over is the selected assessment tools for the evaluation of children with autism spectrum disorder in school-based practice. Basically, this fact sheet has a giant table detailing all of the different outcome measures that one could use for a child with ASD. The fact sheet states that ideal characteristics of an assessment tool for a child with ASD include the framework of the ICF model, ecological observations of motor function in a manner that limits the impact of impaired communication, recognition of imitation skills and praxis as important components of learning style, assessment of relevant aspects of participation, preferences and quality of life, and inclusion of extrinsic factors that may have a positive impact or supports that may be needed to enhance student achievement. According to the fact sheet, no assessment tool on motor skills and participation has been validated for children with ASD. However, there are many tools that exist that can provide information related to the child's motor skills and abilities. Use of relevant assessment tools should aid the physical therapist in delineating varied aspects of a child's motor function, sensory processing, and participation while reflecting the state-identified core curriculum or the alternative curriculum designed for a specific student. The assessments are broken down into participation, activity level, and body structure and function a description of the test, age range, reliability and validity, and strengths and weaknesses are provided. Definitely take a look at this chart as an overall review of outcome measures related to ASD. For additional outcome measures that you may be tested on, take a look at the fact sheet, list of assessment tools categorized by ICF model. We covered this in an earlier fact sheet Friday episode. This next fact sheet is an early intervention to school-based physical therapist transition worksheet. It should be completed by the early intervention physical therapist to provide pertinent information to the school-based physical therapist. While this worksheet does not have a lot of major information on it, it is useful to look at to understand what needs to be considered when a child is transitioning from EI to school-based, IDEA Part C to IDEA Part B. The worksheet looks at child and family personal factors and participation in the areas of self-care, play routines, adult-directed activities and instruction, and family activities. It also looks at environmental factors such as orthotics, equipment, and communication needs. The last two sections look at activity and body structure and function to give the clinician an overall picture of the child and their functional level. As I said, while this fact sheet does not have a whole lot of information on it, it is useful to help us understand what is important when transitioning from EI to school-based physical therapy. This is one that you can spend a few minutes looking at and get the gist of it, but it is definitely useful to look at. Also remember that this one is really just breaking down the ICF model. 
We've talked about the ICF model time and time again, and it really is the foundation for everything we do. So sometimes we have these episodes and it seems like we're giving you new information every week, but we're not. This is really just giving you a way to look at the ICF model and how you look at each component and how you're going to deliver that information as a transitional service when a child is moving from early intervention program to a school-based program. Try when you're studying to help make these connections, try to tie things together and realize that not everything that we do is brand new information. It's just packaged a little bit differently. Thank you all so much for listening to Pushing Pediatrics. You can follow us on Instagram at Pushing Pediatrics. We would love to hear from you. So send us questions, suggestions, things you want to hear more of, and things you'd maybe want to hear less of. We will talk to you guys next week. And remember, you totally got this.